0: In John chapter 6 and verse 25, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth his life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In John chapter 6, our Lord has miraculously fed more than 5,000 people. Now the Bible tells us there were 5,000 men beside women and children. And so we can guess that at minimum there were about 15,000 people there. However, Hebrew families of that day weren't one-child households. So you probably could guess about 25 to 30, maybe upwards of about 40,000 people were there. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, fill up Gordonwood Stadium, multiply that by three. That's about how many our Lord fed when he fed the 5,000. From the passage we studied last week where Jesus fed the more than 5,000 using only five loaves and two fishes, we learned to check our motivation to see what it is we are really looking for. We learned that our Lord Jesus Christ is all sufficient. We learned that our problems are all temporary and that our focus should never deviate from Christ, from his word, from his will, from his gospel, from the grace that he has given us in our lives. And we learned that we can trust the Lord Because his plan will be accomplished, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now from the time of that passage to the passage that we read this morning, there have been a few events. One, Jesus had to leave because the people wanted to make him king. And they couldn't make him king because he's already king. So they were looking to do something that had already been fulfilled. But Jesus went away into a mountain to pray. He sent his disciples over the Sea of Galilee in their ship. And as the disciples sailed over the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up that was so severe that these men who were experienced in sailing across the Sea of Galilee, who were experienced in sailing in storms, could not so much as get the boat to move through the water until Jesus walks up on the water, enters the boat, calms the storm, and they find themselves at their destination that passage reminds us that without god we can do nothing it also reminds us that we are safe in the storm so long as we have jesus then we get to our passage this morning where jesus and the disciples have crossed over the sea of galilee and the multitudes wake up the following morning they look out and they see that the disciples ship is gone but all the other boats are there but there's no jesus where did he go? Well, maybe if we go across the sea to where the disciples are, they'll tell us. They go over to the sea, they find the disciples. And verse 25 tells us when they found him, they said, Rabbi, when did you come over here? Their first question was to try to figure out how he got there without realizing that they had just missed another miracle. And these guys are going to wind up asking Jesus for a sign to prove that he is the bread of life that's come from heaven when he's already fed them miraculously. They were following him for the feeding because they had seen him heal. He has crossed the Sea of Galilee without a ship. They're missing miracles left and right. And the conversation that they have as a result is a clash between the desires of people's flesh, in this case it's the food, and the desires of our Lord for their spiritual revival. The people followed Jesus simply to be fed again. And when confronted, Jesus said, you're only following me for the food. They don't relent. They don't even deny it. Now, if y'all told me, if I told y'all, you're just showing up here for the donuts, y'all would deny it. No, no, no. We really enjoy these services. These people don't even deny it. They're like, okay, well, if you're not going to give us the donuts, show us how to make the donuts ourselves miraculously. They're not even relenting. They're not even confessing. They're they're, they're just being who they are. They go so far as to ask him to teach them how to feed themselves miraculously if he will not do it for them. And in his response to them, we see what Jesus truly wants. He wants three things from us this morning. First, he wants us focused on eternal things, not earthly things. Secondly... He wants us to do the work of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, he wants us to believe that he is the bread of life. Mm -hmm. Our Lord wants us focused on eternal things, not earthly things. The multitudes came over to be fed again. That's why they were looking for Jesus. They'd had a good dinner the night before. Let's see what's for breakfast. They had come over to this side of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus who knows the hearts and minds of people said, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus confronted the people that they were only there for the freebies. They were only there for the free food, for the handouts. And it's hard to blame them because when you're hungry, you're hungry and you want to eat something. And in that day, food was not readily available as it is now. If you were fortunate enough to have the stuff to make food, if you had grain in order to bake bread, if you had the grapes in order to make the wine and to use grapes for what they use grapes for, if you were lucky enough to have that, food preparation was an all-day affair. Today, we try to figure out, do I want Taco Bell, Burger King, or McDonald's? And we'll get in line at Taco Bell, Burger King, and McDonald's, and we complain if five minutes passes before we get our Big Mac or Taco Supreme. Or a Whopper, I'm not making that decision for you. Okay, that's for you to determine. But, you know, we, we have no concept in our modern society of what it would be like to be in their shoes. And so it's not that it's a bad thing that they want food. It's not a bad thing that they want to be fed. Food is a precious commodity to them. But they're still making the mistake of being completely focused on earthly things And they are making the mistake of rejecting the Christ who fed them in the first place. It's an easy mistake to make. It's an easy mistake to be so focused on earthly things that we miss the Lord who stands before us today. It's an easy mistake to be focused on your pain and your needs that you are not seeing the Christ who has presented himself to you today. To be sitting in this church while I'm preaching while Jessica and Brother Wayman are singing, thinking of the stresses that lie ahead of us this week. We have things to get done, don't we, Brother Wayman, this week? I've got, I've got things I've got to get done, and they've got to work around the state meeting. I've got to do the state meeting, and I've got to get these other things done What normally takes me five days, I've got to do in three days in order to remain in compliance. You know, and so it's tempting and it's an easy thing to do to sit in church and think about those things instead of the God that we are worshiping this morning. It is easy to be sitting there thinking about the conflict that you have with someone else, to be worried about the temporary things, the temporary problems that we have to contend with this morning. However, God does not want us consumed with these things. He wants us focused on him. The Lord said in verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath the Father sealed. Mm-hmm. The problem with focusing on earthly problems Is that they never go away. You solve problem one. You'll find that there's a problem B. You get this job done. Now you got to find another one. Once I complete the task that Medicare demands that I complete this week. I've got another week waiting for me. that I'll have to complete those tasks. You solve your income problem. You haven't been making enough money. You find a better job. They offer you more money with better benefits. And then the cost of living goes up. Gasoline shoots up 30 cents overnight. All of a sudden, it costs 12 bucks to buy a Big Mac, whereas it used to cost $7. All of a sudden, you go through the grocery store line to get bread and milk, Oh, but we also need lunch meat, we also need cheese, and we also need Diet Pepsis. And you go through there expecting having to have spent 50 bucks, and you wound up spending 150 bucks. You solved the income problem, guess what? Now we have expense problems. So the cost of food and gasoline goes up. Your kid starts passing biology. He starts failing chemistry. You earn enough money to pay this month's bills. Congratulations. Next month is right around the corner. And the guy on the radio, if you listen to the radio between 6 and 9 p.m., says that you need to be saving more money for retirement. And what money am I supposed to be saving for retirement when I pay my bills and put groceries on the table? There's not much money left to save toward retirement. I still got next month's bills. But if you do manage to scrape up the money to put into a 401k account, buy you some mutual funds, buy you some stocks and bonds, what happens? What's happened this year? The market has crashed. All right? At this point, I'm going to be working till I'm 150, okay? I mean, it's just, that it's problems. The problem with focusing on earthly problems is that earthly problems never go away. You're always going to have something to worry about. Earthly meat is meat that perishes. Mm -hmm. Even if you do get the money, it ain't going to last you. Mm -hmm. Easy come, easy go. That's why my great-grandparents struck it rich in the oil field. Now, they grew up trying to farm their way through the Great Depression. In the 1940s, they found oil and natural gas on their property. And those oil and gas companies paid like crazy. But when I knew my great grandparents in the 1980s, they were still living in that same old farmhouse with a hand crank water to, to, to pour the water, using well water. They had millions in the bank, but they're still living in this old house, old stuff. The only luxuries they afforded themselves was a window unit air conditioner, a television, And every two years, Grandpa bought a new Cadillac. Because when you live in South Mississippi, the deep south, you have to have the Cadillac. That is the status symbol that I am a man worth paying attention to. You will give me good service today. That's that's Southern culture 101 right there, okay? But he never came close to spending all of those millions. Why? Because they came up through the Great Depression. They made the fortune off of the oil. They're still farming the land, by the way. They're still out there plowing and growing and canning and managing livestock and chickens, but they never they never allowed themselves to dip into those funds because they'd lived through the Great Depression, and they knew that this is the type of treasure that moth and rust doth corrupt, and that thieves do break in and steal, and they never wanted to be in a position where they would have to try to maintain something they could no longer afford. You see, moth and rust doth corrupt. Thieves do break through and steal. Earthly meat is the meat that perishes. New cars fade. They wear out. You get the brand new Bugatti, Isaac. You get the Bugatti, the the Lamborghini, the Ferrari. And every time you crank that thing up, you are wearing it out and you are devaluing it. The new home. It wears, it develops plumbing problems, electrical problems. You have to repaint it. There's a foundation problem. New homes wear out and need repair. New clothes go out of style. Man, this was the look at the gap. But then that was last year. This year it's a new look. We've got to buy new clothes. New clothes go out of style. And around here we like to think about football and, and baseball. But You know what those championships, they get forgotten, don't they? Who played in the Super Bowl last year? We don't. It wasn't the Cowboys, that's all we know, right? When was the last time the Cowboys played in the Super Bowl? These kids weren't even born yet. Championships, they're forgotten the very next year. Earthly meat is the meat that perishes. Jesus said, to labor for the meat, which endures unto everlasting life. The Lord said in Isaiah 55, he said, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Why do we work so hard for things that will not even last through our lifetime? Why do we work so hard for things that will not even make it through the end of the month, if not even the end of the year? Why are we so consumed with things that will fade so quickly? Why would we become so preoccupied with sandcastles at the beach? One of my favorite places to go is Corpus Christi. I can't explain it. People why? I, I don't know. I, I just like being there. But every year on the beach in Corpus Christi, I think they do this in Galveston too, there's a beach sand sculpture contest. Have y'all ever seen this? And they sculpt these pictures of these mighty men, of octopuses, of mermaids, of castles. And it's very intricate, it's very detailed, and it's very amazing to look at. Some of the most brilliant pieces of art known to the history of mankind have been sculpted on those beaches out of beach sand. But if you go down to Corpus Christi today, you will not see any of them because they fade as soon as they are completed. The wind erodes their detailed features. The, the ocean takes back what, it's, what is his. And though I admire the workmanship, I have to wonder, why would anybody spend so much time and effort crafting something that will literally be gone by the time they eat breakfast the following day? And we spend our entire lives like that. I've got to earn this next paycheck, but this next paycheck is gone as soon as it's there. I need this next new car, but this next new car is no longer new the second we drive it off the lot. The the dealer calls it the brake light warranty. The warranty is good until the brake lights come on. Why do we do that? Our only hope for true peace and security, for true provision, For eternal salvation and peace in the Lord, our only hope is our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus actually offered these people an escape from the rat race. And that escape was himself. By placing your faith in the Lord, you can escape the rat race. Y'all know that? Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in it, he says, this is how you escape the rat race. But I'm going to tell you, the things that he prescribed... You're still going to have problems in those. Now, in the rat race, in escaping the rat race through Jesus Christ, you'll find you still wake up on Monday morning and go to work. You still earn a paycheck. You still pay bills. But in trusting our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have been freed from the anxiety of, that's this paycheck, what about the next one? You have been freed from the stress of, this month's bills have been paid for, what about the next month's bills? You know why? because God has provided to provide for your needs. He has promised to provide for your needs. You will be freed knowing that the Lord will provide, and there is no truer freedom than what Christ gives. You realize this freedom when your faith and focus is completely on the Lord. You may still have to answer to a corporate office, but you're freed from the anxiety that comes with answering to that corporate office Because you are now working for the Lord. And you can trust him to provide for you. And if he chooses not to provide through that job anymore, then you know he's going to provide through another means. The Lord wants us focused on eternal things, not earthly things. We talked about the futility of focusing on the earthly things. Let's talk about the blessing of focusing on eternal things. And with that, we go to our next point, Jesus wants us to do the work of the lord Mm -hmm. he wants us to do the work of the lord now the people responded to jesus when jesus tells them not to labor for the meat which perishes but for the meat which endures in the everlasting life which god is going to give you they say okay tell us how to do the works of god tell us how to do what god wants to do the people responded to jesus we will work for the meat that endures unto eternal life how do we do that and a lot of people today are asking the same question If applying the Bible to my life will solve all of my problems, then where in the Bible do I find the recipes that will solve all my problems? There's a joke about a man who was going through a hard time. He was in financial dire straits. His business was falling apart. He goes to the preacher and asks the preacher, preacher, my life is falling apart. What do I do? And the preacher says, well, just open your Bible. Just skim open to a random page. Put your finger on the page. Look at what the Bible says where your finger is, and do that. I think Brother Wayman told this joke a couple of weeks ago. The man opens his Bible, scans, puts his finger down, chapter 11. Filed bankruptcy and got out from under all of it. It's not what, it's not what the, what, that's not what the Lord means when he says to do the work of the Lord. People are asking the question, if applying the Bible to my life will solve all of my problems, where do I find the recipes? One of my professors in seminary said that the preacher was always saying when he was a kid, it's in the book. And he goes, where? There's 1,500 pages in here. What page number is it? Is it on? How do I find the formula for fixing my marriage? How do I find the formula for fixing my career? There's a multi-million dollar industry that has arisen teaching people how to use scripture from the Bible to get rich How to use the Bible to heal their marriages. How to use the Bible to achieve their dreams. And this multi-million dollar industry that has come up is selling an imperfect cure. Because when you do any of this apart from Christ, when you do any of this apart from the gospel, you you lose its efficiency, its power. Thank you, Jessica. Apart from the Lord, these formulas will not work. And apart from the Lord, these formulas are idolatry. Jesus promised his people that God would look after them. In the book of Malachi, the Lord promised that if you would bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, that God would bless you, that he would rain the blessings down from heaven. And you have preachers out there telling you, if you send in your seed offering... $20, $20, or if you're rich and you really want to make this thing work, $1,000. Well, that's, that, that's, that sounds actually, okay, y'all get in your wallets right now. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But if you just give money to the church, God will bless you a hundredfold. So if you put $20 in the plate, God will give you 2000 If you put your $1,000 in, in the plate, God will give you $100,000. it will fall from heaven. If you're putting your $20 in the plate for the purpose of getting $2,000, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Because you're doing that not because of your faith in the Lord. You're doing that to see what you can get out of it. That's right. But there are ministries that have made fortunes telling people that exact thing. If you apply biblical principles, the boss will see the light in your eye and he will promote you unless he doesn't. And oftentimes he doesn't. If you will just read Ephesians chapter 5 and apply that to your marriage, your marriage will get better. And you got this poor lady, she is submitting to this wretched, horrible individual that bears the title of her husband and it's not getting any better. And you got this husband that thinks he's loving his wife who does not love him back. And it's not getting any better. Well, is Ephesians chapter 5 a lie? It's not. But if you realize what Ephesians chapter 5 is giving you is a picture of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if husband and wife learn to lo- love each other like Jesus loved them, then you see healing. But you have to have Jesus in the middle of that. You have to have the gospel. Amen. When you realize that God redeemed your soul from hell, and then in so doing, he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross, that Christ gave up all the comforts and riches of heaven to go to the cross on your behalf and how he gave it all. Suddenly putting $20 in the plate doesn't seem like a big deal anymore, does it? And when you have that level of response of a relationship with God, you're not counting how many dollars back you got on the return on the investment on the money you put in the plate. You put the money in the plate. You see God bless it and move his kingdom farther as a result. Yeah. And at the same time, he continues to bless and provide for you. Yeah. Apart from the Lord, apart from the gospel, apart from that understanding, apart from that faith, doing the work of the Lord, well, you're just not doing it. Jesus said, this is the work of god that you believe on him who he hath sent what is the work of god the work of god is to have faith the work of god is to trust jesus it's that simple and anything you do because you trust jesus you did for god and anything you do for god he rewards You take a man who works the fields all day long, but he works those fields because God has given him those fields and God has charged him with caring and loving and providing for his family. So this man loves the Lord. He trusts the Lord. Therefore, he works the fields because he trusts the Lord. That is a man that God is going to bless. You take a woman who is raising children. She's raising children. She is waking up. Early in the morning, she's feeding the kids breakfast. She's sending them off to school. She may be working a full-time job, picking them up from school, feeding them dinner, doing their laundry, washing their dishes, picking up the toys, reading bedtime stories with them, praying with them, giving them bath time. As she's doing all this, it'll wear you out. It'll wear you out. But she does it because she trusts Jesus. She loves the Lord. And the Lord has trusted those children with her. So that's, that's working for the Lord. And God rewards that. Romans chapter twelve there's a lot of sacrifice along the way. There's a lot of sacrifice along the way. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To present means to place yourself at the disposal of, to present your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord means to place yourself at His disposal to be available. To be available in your faith in the Lord and your trust in the Lord to be available to serve Him however He calls, and you cannot be available if you are preoccupied with the things of this world. Look in the seat to your left. Look in the seat to your right. How many of you are surrounded by empty seats? You know why? Mm -hmm. Because the people that would be sitting in those seats are preoccupied with the things of this world. Don't be preoccupied with the things of this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind by trusting the Lord, being in his word, and being focused on his gospel. The work of the Lord is to trust the Lord, is to believe in the Lord, is to trust him and to do things because you trust him. That is the work of the Lord. And Jesus wants us to believe that he is the bread of life. In verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the source of life. He gives life and being the bread of life Jesus is the source of all that's good. He sustains life and he meets our needs. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Talking about food, talking about clothing, talking about shelter. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. And he says in Matthew 6:33, "But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you." If you are focused on God first and you are trusting the Lord, he will be meeting your needs. He will be caring for you. He will provide you what it takes to sustain your life and to give you life more abundantly. If we trust him, we shall not want. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That word want means to be in need of. It means to lack something. To be in want regarding food means I'm hungry, I don't have food. To be in want regarding shelter means I am homeless. But the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want for rest. I'll be able to rest. Because the Lord makes me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not want for water. Because he leads me beside the still waters, I will not thirst. I shall not want for food or protection because he prepares my table in the presence of mine enemies. I shall not want spiritually for his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I shall not want for eternity because I shall fear no evil. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. God is your shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd and he guides you through every phase of life. He guides you through childhood, through adolescence, through college, when they are coming at you from all sides, challenging every belief you have, every lifestyle choice you made, they are challenging it. God guides you through that time of your life. When you are going through adulthood and you are having babies, raising babies, seeing your children become adults, God guides you through that phase of life. When you are going into your older years, headed toward retirement, those years where Medicare is the first word you say every day, God guides you through that time of your life. And when you're laid in that hospital bed and they come in, they say, meet the hospice chaplain. God guides you through that part of your life as well. And when you close your eyes for this life and you pass through the valley of the shadow of death into eternity, God guides you through that pathway as well if he is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack for anything. Our churches today are empty. Because people's minds are elsewhere. Their focus is elsewhere. Their priorities are elsewhere. Work. They're focused on work. They're focused on sports. You know the NFL kicks off the first game of the day at 9 o'clock in the morning now? 8.30. 8.30? Who gets out of bed at 8.30 in the morning to go down to a football stadium? We can't get to church. We can't get to church by 11. But the Giants are kicking off at 8.30 from MetLife Stadium. We can get there. It's not just the NFL, folks. I don't mean to rob every bit of joy from anybody's life, but it's travel ball. It's baseball. It's travel, basketball, recreation. This is my weekend off. I'm going to spend it going fishing. I'm I'm going to spend it. I've got to fix up the house. I've got to work on the house. People's minds are consumed with earthly things. But these things are temporary. And these things will soon be undone. They will never be completed. They will never be completed. The only... Thing that will bring us true true peace and true completion is our Lord, and it is only through faith in the Lord that one can find deliverance from the condemnation of sin, the condemnation of the curse that is that God put upon Adam when He told Adam, "And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread," that the that the ground will bring forth vines and thorns and thistles. Y'all know how quickly the vines and the thorns and the thistles come up? When we built this building, we laid the concrete foundation. We put the metal shell over it. And then we left it for a couple of months because we didn't have anything else to do to it. We didn't have any more money to put more materials. When we came back, there, are vine, there were vines growing under the walls and into the building. An atheist would say Mother Nature took her property back. I'm going to say that's just the Adamic curse. You go places where there was once a school here, and that building's still under that vegetation somewhere. You can go out to Duel, Texas. Y'all know where Duel is? The remains of their football stadium's still there. If you drive by, you might not even notice it. But if you know what you're looking for, you can pull off. This is on private property, so... But you can find the ticket booth and you can see the terrain where those benches were built into the side of the hill. It's still there. It's covered. The only way we find deliverance from that curse, from the condemnation of sin, is through faith in our Lord. And the only way we find peace is through trusting the Lord and finding God's peace and his provision in the day-to-day. I've never been one of those preachers to get on to your permission church. Maybe I was wrong in that. Maybe I should have been on that message a lot more. You're going to go where your priorities are. It's hard to get up on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, I know. It's hard for me to get up on a Sunday morning. It's hard for me to get up every morning. The kids once did a, you know, what are things that dad doesn't like to do? They all, wake up in the morning. But if we were writing million-dollar checks at the start of Sunday school, this building would be full. If Jesus were to come back and walk into this building at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, would we still be saying, it's too hard to get to church on Sunday morning? If Jesus were to return, would we say, well, but the Cowboys kick off at 830? If Jesus were to return, would we say, well, I've got work that day? I've got work that day. I've got bills to pay. No, hopefully not. If Jesus were to return, whatever we've got going on, we're dropping because he's our priority. Yes. It needs to be like that more than just the day he returns. His his being our priority and our focus on him needs to be just as strong daily as if he were returning that day because we don't know if it may be the day or not or if today might be your last day on this earth or not. Had a visit with my hospice patients. We talked about the end times. We talked about the great tribulation. I'm thinking this man has less than six months. Why are we talking about the great tribulation? I guess he read my thoughts because he said you might wonder why I'm worried about the tribulation when I'm not going to live to see it I'm like well I wasn't going to say nothing he says, I'm worried about my kids this man does not have the luxury of thinking he's got more time to work all this stuff out he knows he needs to do this now now he's been given a gift he's been given a time frame here's how much time we think you and we're not we're not accurate on that no. but we think you've got this much more time Most of us, we don't have that time period. So we somehow think that we've got another 40 years in us. And we don't. We don't. And after that visit with that man, I, I drove out of there and I'm thinking, this man knows how to spend his days. He knows what his priorities are. If it ended for me today, would I be happy with the way I spent my last six months? No, I wouldn't. And so we need to reprioritize. We need to repent. Because one day we will stand before the Lord. And when you stand before the Lord, you want to stand before the Lord having been happy with the way that you spent the time that he gave you on earth. As the Bible says in the book of Colossians, to redeem the time. Our priority needs to be on heavenly things, not earthly things. Let us stand.